guys. We just finished recording, um, what you're about to hear right now. And I realized, or Aries realized, that we did not introduce ourselves. So, hello everyone. It's me, Tabby, uh, Tabby Luna on Instagram. What's up, guys? Uh, Aries Tavares, Workout Art on everything. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, everything. You can find me. And uh, we hope you enjoy. This was fun to record. It's been a while. We missed you. Um, we missed ourselves as individuals. We've lost ourselves in the past few weeks. It's been crazy. Anyways, enjoy. See you guys soon. Love ya! Hello there. Oye, mi gente, ¿qué es lo que está pasando, Tere? It is September. It is. <laughs> uh, what a summer it has been. Woo. I feel like I've tried, well, we've tried to record one of these, like, at least four times. To, to be clear, I didn't cut anything. I'd like to wield the machete tightly. Yeah, she's got, she's got the, the editing axe ready to go. If I don't like it, we gotta stop. <laughs> it's cool, though. This is your back, not mine, so... Well, uh, you no, you you're supposed to get like final say. You're supposed to get the editorial. You know, I was um recently uh, a guest on someone else's podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give any details yet because it's not set to come out for a while. But keep your eyes peeled. Um, but keep your eyes peeled. I will post about it. Or maybe your ears. Um, peel your ears. Yep. <laughs> Just peel them right off. Who needs those things? (laughs) So I was recently a guest on a podcast, and I the experience I had was so cool because I got to see someone else's like discipline and how seriously and professionally they took this endeavor, which was really cool because I feel like you and I just kind of chit chat, right? And it's not to compare, like oh one you know I like this method, but. It's good to experience and good to see how people do things because I definitely saw some things that I thought I'd like to incorporate that. Just a certain level of organization and um, good question and answer like dynamic. Um, but I think also that's what happens when you have like a guest. Also, the, yeah, it depends on the format too, yeah. right? Because like some podcasts have this interview format where it's like very clearly like I'm interviewing you. But what we're doing is literally just a talk that we would have any other day. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, the best podcasts that we could record are lost because we don't pull out the phone Mm. and record just randomly while we're talking. Yeah. Because we're always talking about some in-depth thing or looking at something a little further than, you know. I notice it happens a lot in the shower. Yeah. We have a lot of good shower shower conversations. (laughs) I'm sure that's a thing. Maybe we'll try it. I don't know. That sounds fun. Something about the water. If we could get, we get a GoPro, mm-hmm. and we put it right under the faucet, right under the the shower head, and then do a shower thoughts podcast, but like video format, and just angle it so it can only see you from the shoulders up. <laughs> I am not going to be filmed in the shower. You don't have to like look into the camera. It'll oh. just be the the perspective of the shower. Head. For that, it could point at the faucet for the water. Sure, I'm just saying it would be just like, um, like the... in terms of format. I think people would tune into that. Like 
a podcast that takes place in somebody's shower is the point that I'm... I also don't think we take long enough showers to warrant. I mean, not here, man. No more. <laughs> yeah. But I also take like 14 showers a day. That's a joke. I don't take 14 showers a day. Don't kill me. <laughs> so yeah, this is a little more free form. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I would like to like have other people join the conversation. I feel like that would be fun. Yeah, of course. Um, talking to like-minded people is one of my favorite things, and I mean, just talking to not just like-minded people, but open-minded people. Open-minded. Not. Yeah. You don't have to think the same way I do because yeah. I recognize the impossibility. Of asking somebody to do that, right? But definitely somebody who has a mind open enough that when I tell them something, it's not going to cause dissonance and they don't feel the need to defend themselves or attack me for the yeah. thing that I'm thinking. The worst feeling is when you're having a conversation with someone and you feel the energy turn into like, oh, they want to fight now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I hate that. I feel like I have to walk into every social interaction and like preface the entire night and just be like, listen, no matter what it looks like I'm doing, no matter what you think it is that I'm doing, it's not that. I have these conditions and they make me do these things. It's nothing about you. It's something about me. What I'm not going to do is take responsibility for your feelings. I'm not going to control the way you feel. But if you feel like fighting, I'm not here for it. I'm not trying to. Ever. With anybody about anything. Well, it never goes anywhere, right? Because the fights could be for one of two reasons. One, we ge- genuinely disagree with one another to the point that it is like a big deal to someone. Mm-hmm. Or you have some underlying issue with me already and you're looking for a reason to argue with me. Or a lot of times I find, I mean, not to not mm-hmm. to like contradict, mm-hmm. but to like on top of and, um, I find that a lot of times people don't even have an issue. Or a contradiction with the thing that I'm saying. They have a misunderstanding about something I said. Something that I said in the way that I said it. They misconstrue it to be something other than what I intended. And instead of asking me to clarify. What they do is. Oh. They're being disrespectful because I didn't get that the right way. I'm going to go after Yeah. Instead of asking to clarify. Right. But just because like a lot of people that I've noticed. A lot of people don't actually want to have a conversation where we break things apart and like look and dissect things. Yeah. And they kind of just want a sounding board to say, like, to basically confirm, you agree with me, right? You agree with me, right? You right. agree with me, right? Exactly right. If, exactly. if so, we can be friends. And I've definitely like fallen into that behavior pattern in the past where I'm like, oh, if someone doesn't think like me, I can't be around them. And. So this was like the whole, this idea was the whole reason I wanted to record today because. Mm-hmm. I posted something yesterday about feeling unsafe in certain people's energies, and mm-hmm. that's why I break away from them. And I don't mean I feel unsafe because you and I disagree. Yeah. I, not I feel unsafe because, like, you and me are going to throw hands with each other. Yeah. I feel unsafe because I know that when it comes down to it, we have a fundamental... Like, we don't gel the way we're supposed to. We don't fit together. Yeah, there's an energetic rift, number one. But also, number two, there's like a... There are personal traits about a person that I can't... uh, That make me feel safe or unsafe. Like, being... Standing in your word always. 
makes me feel safer than someone who's wishy-washy depending on the group they're around. This is, this is almost exactly the thing that I was trying to explain when I was giving the, the bug example. The bug example that I gave you earlier today, the yeah. spider and the roof, right? That was, that was the, the point that I was trying to get across is that at the age that I am and anyone who is close in years to me, at this point in your life, you should have done a thorough enough audit of your life that when someone presents you with a situation, you should know like 90% of what your response is going to be ahead of time. If somebody obligates me to do X, Y, Z, I already know that's the wrong way. It's not going to work the way you want it to. If I do it, I'm going to give you a third of my energy, not the full thing because I don't want to do it. Right? Like at, at a certain point in your life, you have to know yourself well enough that it's not predicting the future. It's using the patterns of your life to go, in this situation, this is what I do. Yeah. But I don't think that's something that can't be changed. It just requires... Of course not. Of course not. It requires self-awareness. And you have reflection. to see the pattern first. Yeah. And that's kind of another thing, right? So... Oftentimes, I've been made to feel, or not made to feel, I have felt. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I have felt, because nobody made me feel anything. Nobody can make me feel Yeah. That um, when I set an energetic boundary, mm -hmm. that it's like uh, rooted in some kind of stuck up thing. Right. Because right? you think you are better than me. Yeah. And that's because that's something I've heard before. Like... If I were to speak a certain way in front of my parents, I would get, you Right. Know, why? You, have, you have to code switch. You have to switch yeah. your vocabulary. You have to be less upfront, be less abrasive, whatever it is for the, for the specific people you're thinking Which, like, sociolinguistically is a way of navigating multiple spaces, especially with multicultural people. Right. Like, you know, some people, most people, you don't speak the way at work that you do at home. Mm -hmm. Or you don't speak the way... You do with your grandparents in the same way you do with your friends. I get that. I mean, I do, but that's why a lot of people don't like me. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That for me, like, I am really good at that. And I did it for so many years successfully. And success is relative because I didn't gain anything out of it. Right. <laughs> but successfully, meaning that I was able But they to... gained what they needed out of you in the... For, because... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And whether people consciously know it or not... People know when I'm wearing that mask, right? Whether they say it or not, there's a part of them that knows it. And they prefer it because it, it helps them out, right? Because I hold my tongue or because I allow people to say certain things that I probably would not allow if it were, like, in my house, mm -hmm. for example. You know? So, um, making the unconscious decision, I don't think I consciously decided to just like stop that <laughs> because it was too energetically taxing and it was too fatiguing and mm -hmm. I had already spent so much time away from people mm -hmm. right because you know in grad school I was around people all the time so I had to wear multiple masks all the time because right. I was going from place to place internships and professors and students and 
and children and adults and these all these populations that I had to be around. So I had to have this mm -hmm. baseline, mm -hmm. um, pleasant professional demeanor, mm -hmm. always. And it's easy to put on, but then when you get home, you know how I was when I got home. I could barely function. Yeah. And this was full time, right? So before that, I was working for so many years and I was nannying, so I had to have a baseline professionalism for that too, just for working with so many culturally diverse families. Well, diverse from me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, families who, if you've nannied in New York City, you know the kind of families I'm talking about. And you have to just be not as much yourself as you'd like to be. Or maybe that is yourself. Whatever. But for me, I wasn't being myself. I could only allow myself to be like 60% of me. There's only so much I can hide, obviously. But after I, you know, 2020 started, that well went out the window. And now I don't know how to really be <laughs> anybody else anymore because it brings my battery level, like, way down immediately. Yeah, well, because you have more time to notice, right? The thing from the before times, the way, way back times, <laughs> um, is, that, is that you were so busy, you didn't have time to take account of the fact that you were tired, right? And socially speaking... Everybody masks. Everybody does it. Everyone has to a degree, right? Even if it's as simple as I have to be professional when I go to work, there's a certain percentage of you that masks, right? Everyone does it. When you're somebody like me who has ADHD and a bunch of other, you know, conditions with acronyms that I could spend the next... 10 minutes detailing um you don't just mask though right because you become hyper aware of people and their psychology and what it is that they do and what it is that they're looking for and what most people are looking for day in and day out is they're looking for the parts of themselves that they like in the other person people with adhd will automatically jump to mirror they will take the most visibly admirable parts of you and put them on display because I noticed that those are the things that you like about yourself and I want you to like me. Mm. Right? But what this does is two things. First of all, it gives people the impression that we're best friends. Because this person's just like me. They like all the things that I like. They talk how I like. They stand how I like. Did I notice all of a sudden you gained an accent like kind of similar to my... Right? There's that part of it. And then there's the the ego stroke, mm. right? Because there's a part of you that recognizes that's me. That's not you, that's me, right? Thank you for showing it to me. You made me feel good. That's the ego stroke. When you're someone, when you're someone who, who deals with, with those conditions, you can't turn it off. So eventually you burn out and you isolate. Because it's easier to parse out your energy. But when you isolate, you don't know who to be. Because you don't have anything to mirror. Right? This is the problem with me in social interactions. Five minutes into being in a room, I take over the room. But those first five minutes are really awkward. 
Why are those first five minutes really awkward? Because I haven't, I haven't gotten any data yet. I don't know the people who are going to be in that room. I don't know how they're going to respond to my standard mask. I have to customize it to that room. I have to customize it to those people. So if you notice in any social interaction, the first 15, 20 minutes, I don't want to talk. I want to sit there and I want to watch everybody. But then after those 20 minutes, try to get me to shut up now. Because I know everything. <laughs> like I, I've, I've, I've watched you. I've seen you interact with other people. You respond this way to this. You respond this way to that. All right, cool. Now I have a basis by which to approach you. And it's a very useful skill and survival mechanism it's exhausting as well it's it exhausting but you know much like you associate it with adhd you could also associate it with volatile upbringings right where you have to observe and feel the energy of the room so that you can respond in a way that suits your best interest oh yeah for sure the, the thing is like so when I say it's associated with ADHD, I mean that statistically. Statistically, these are these are traits that people with this condition display. Um, yeah, no, no. Well, I also remember on one of our first chats where we talked about um, ADHD symptoms sometimes being acquired, like seeming acquired. Oh, yeah. Right? So that, I feel like that's also a tie-in. Like, it's so much more zoomed out and comprehensive than we think it is also i think the thing that people don't consider is that everything in your body is on a slider everything about you is on a slider right everyone has some level of things that are associated with neurodivergence mm -hmm. it might be really low you might your your levels of adhd symptoms might be one percent but you have them right you don't realize that you stim when you get stressed because you press your hands together and go back and forth or crack your knuckles or there's a ton of things that are part of those of those conditions that we don't associate with having those conditions mm -hmm. we view them as their own separate thing that we do because and it's my favorite phrase say it along with me it's that transitive property right you have to be able to take a concept and look at it and go Okay, how does this uh, this concept apply outside of the concept itself, hmm. right? How do the symptoms affect me in my day-to-day -day life when it's not associated with ADHD, right? Yeah. Or when it's not associated with autism, or when it's not associated with GERD, or when it's not associated... Without the label, how does this... What is the practice of these symptoms? Right, it's like... If you do if you do push-ups every day, your chest gets big. But people will let their their chest will get big and they won't associate it to the push-ups that they did. That's a very rudimentary example of, of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But it applies on such a grander scale than we even consider. Right? How something bad that happened to you in your childhood caused you to pick up a behavior. And because of your ADHD or your autism or your whatever the condition is, you either got comfortable with that feature or you used it as a safety as a safety feature or you used it as a survival mechanism or you used it as a coping mechanism and so it grew into something else. Right? One it's a it's a set of dominoes. It's not one it's not beginning and end, it's everything in the middle. But people aren't taught to look at things backwards retrospectively until they figure out 
this is what caused it, right? I got diagnosed at 11. But it I wasn't born with ADHD. I developed it. I developed it through conditioning, through environmental standards, through trauma, through all, all these things made a perfect storm. So, of course, I came out on the other end with. Well, and that makes sense when you look at a diagnosis like that as a set of, I guess, behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right? A set of behaviors that determine the diagnosis of ADHD. Mm-hmm. So, all the behaviors associated with it, maybe 80% you right. presented with, right? And so this is what I I think I mean I've been saying this for a while but I said this yesterday more like publicly I don't know if I express myself well but we are too focused on bringing awareness and labeling things and not so much focused enough on finding the actual root cause of a lot of things and fixing it I agree with you I agree with you that we're too fixated yeah, so I, I totally agree with you on the sh- social awareness aspect. The thing that I don't think enough people will acknowledge is that we have this hyperfixation on social awareness because it, it allows people the, the room to neglect the responsibility of self-awareness, mm. Right. I don't have to be aware of the things that are wrong with me if everyone else is aware of the things that are wrong with me and they can make accommodations ahead of time. That's kind of the reason why people are so obsessed with bring light to this disease. Because if you ever come across someone who has this disease, then you know how to treat them. Yeah. Right? Not treat them medically, but like how to engage them. Yeah. Um, because that's that's all people ever want to do really is pass on the responsibility to somebody else right the whole the whole purpose of all of these like miniature categories that we put ourselves in is so that you have the category information ahead of time so that you don't have to go about the process of figuring me out mm. but you knew i was blah 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 exactly and people think that that's an excuse i also think uh it's a way to to um, make the argument that activism is simply screaming into the wind. Well, well, and, and that's going to go back to no one's no one is ever going to do anything of any significance if they think they're a hero for doing nothing. Yep, exactly. Right. It comes back to that idea. Right. I'm already great. Here are the reasons why. Now I don't have to do anything. And this is what we see now being mirrored socially. Like, people are being rewarded for just... Being atrocious. Yeah, or not just being atrocious, for simply just not thinking. Yeah. You're, like, you're rewarded for, for not thinking. We've seen the New York Times uh, article headline where critical thinking is, like, dangerous or something. And Bro, go no further. That I, I was... I saw a tweet, um, like an anti-theology tweet mm-hmm. that was that was posted from, I, I want to say it was a reverend, okay. that was talking about the limits of compassion and how compassion is actually doing harm to people. Being compassionate, you are part of the religion that claims 
unlimited love. We love everybody, everybody, right? Love, love uh, what is it? Uh, hate the sin, love the sinner, right? Yeah. You, you're, you're part of a religion that preaches unlimited love, but then the people who are within your sect are saying you have to limit your compassion for this reason, this reason, and that reason. It's, and they've lost their way. This isn't even to make it like biblical or whatever. Mm. But don't they say that like part of the end times is the false, uh, the false return? Oh um, yeah. You know, so we see how the actual um, intentions of these belief systems are just completely not even bastardized. We practice them in the opposite manner. Mm. We literally tell people, God says it's okay to hate. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, and it's like, wait a minute. But Be if you actually read the book that they, you know, that yeah. the religion is quote unquote um, influenced by, it says none of those things, and we just give power, our power away, to popularity, not realizing that popularity is manufactured and it's not genuine. There are no celebrities right now, or for a long time that became celebrities through the grassroots you know picked by the people exactly it's who's allowed to get to this level there are people who have a, a, a level of fame because of their fans like at a normal local celebrity not yeah. even some larger ones but there's a certain echelon there's a certain level that's like all right, well, somebody, you know somebody. In order to break... Well, see, even the celebrities that you think are, like, grassroots celebrities, all you have to do is, like, scratch a little deeper past their story. Yeah. And you realize that, like, yeah, so-and-so made their debut singing covers on YouTube, and mm -hmm. the world went crazy for them. But then you find out that, like, their mom's second brother is a producer. It's like... Duh, you were going to do this regardless without us. You just sold us a good story at the right time. Yeah. Well, go no further than like American Idol, right? You get on that show and they literally like probe you like just like when you write those entrance, those college entrance essays, you have to give a sob story mm -hmm. and the best story gets a chance to go further. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with the actual. And it's not to say that any of the people who don't get to go forward are more or less talented than the people who do get to go forward because they only ever really highlight the extremes. That's how they control the narrative, right? They show you the best of the best and the most delusional of the most delusional. I don't want to say the worst of the worst because it's not about talent here, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's about these people are untrained and they think that they are better than they are and they have a certain level of confidence. The world hasn't punch them in the mouth for trying mm. so they get up there and they bomb and then they get used as an example of the worst of the worst that's interesting yeah it's like a, a mixture of mass producing images of hope and shame right so you can get so excited to think well any you know this anyone can get this far I'm look at the show yeah. anyone can do it but then I'm, at the same time they show someone who bombs so badly that people start to think well, I wouldn't try it. I know anyone can because the TV said so, but I wouldn't try it because I'm too scared because I don't want to get ridiculed. I'm 99% certain that the person who wins was selected from episode one. They they know already, right? This person's going to be big. They're, they are, I don't know, some 
writer at some label who's not getting a lot of attention right now, but we think that they have potential, so we're going to build around them. Mm. We're going to put them on this show. We're going to recommend them for this. They're going to win. And we're going to build this whole narrative around them so that then when they blow, it's like, oh, look, they earned it, and they earned it in front of you. Mm -hmm. So now they merit your respect. And trust. This is a regular guy. Right, like like uh, little kids who feel like YouTubers are their friends, personally. Yeah, that's a big yikes. That what? used to be one of the sadder parts of, of babysitting, like, of, you know, of YouTube-age kids. Oh. Because, you know, I used to be that way, too, with whatever it was that I was into at the time. Pop yeah. stars or whatever. The, the YouTube to white supremacy pipeline, you mean? It's really something, man. It's like training. It really is. But the the thing to... And I'm not saying that that training is or isn't any more evil than any of the other psychological training that happens every day in every aspect of your life, whether you're aware of it or not, right? Your, your, your religion, your, the things you like, the things you don't like, the things that make you feel comfort, the things that make you feel discomfort, the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you pain, all of those things were programmed into you. You have the misconception that you chose these things. But you only chose these things because those were the options you were aware of at the time that you chose them. Yeah. That's, that's re at the end of the day, like, that's really, that's really what it means to be self-aware. What it means to be self-aware is to go, I have this choice and this choice, but I realize that infinity exists between those two points. Right? And while I may want this, all I can do is nudge it in that direction. I can't control the outcome. And people who seem like they're psychic to people are really just people who are really good at reading the probabilities. Seeing the two extremes and going, well, I'm likely going in this direction. So I can double down and really push it that way if that's the way I want to do it. Through sheer willpower. And through the choices that I make to set that thing up. There's a lot of thought and knowing involved in, I think, the world the way it exists right now. Like, you know, to go back to what I was saying earlier, um, there's something about being around people who don't really think critically. That makes me feel unsafe. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's me projecting my own uh, insecurity with historically setting boundaries, right? Because if I were really 100% certain in how I stand, then that maybe it wouldn't bother me so much because I would be more likely to separate or whatever. But there's also just a... I can't explain it, but I've been feeling for a really long time... That certain people knowing certain things about me would not be beneficial for me later down the line. Right. It's not going to do anything good for you. There, And could inevitably lead to something that's detrimental if I don't, from now on, treat this person a specific way. Yeah. Because now they have some dirt on me. Or now they have this piece of information that could hurt me. Or now they have this concept of me that I have to live up to or now they have an expectation that I didn't intend to 
put into place. Well, because in the past few months, although I had felt it for a long time, so long that a lot of people thought I was a little off my rocker for saying this, but and I'll keep saying it, certain people now and in the future are going to be liabilities to have in your circle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's because there's a concerted effort by, you know, the parasites at large to <laughs> to ensure that we are hostile with one another. Right. And there are certain groups that seem more hostile than others for a variety of reasons. And most of that is manufactured also. Most of that is manufactured. Um and it's so that we can create this rift in society where we can't work together. Right? Because really, when you look at humanity, the goals of humanity and living this game, right? I feel like the goal of everyone is to be as fulfilled as possible. Whatever that means for you. That might mean sitting in bed and watching TV all day, every day for the rest of your life. That might be fulfilling for mm-hmm. you, right? And that's kind of all everyone wants. And when we have these weird roadblocks... And um, false milestones that need to be met until you can reach fulfillment, right? They make it seem like fulfillment is a prize won for having worked hard. Also, they make it seem like fulfillment is a finish line. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, like, you don't cross the, the, the line at fulfillment and then remain fulfilled forever. Bro, nothing is forever. Mm. Everything is fleeting. The desire to want to hang on to something beyond its shelf date is the thing that causes you pain, but people will not recognize this, right? Mm. The want to keep this person in my life beyond the point, like, and I don't mean this in, in like, oh, I hate you, you're a dumb mother, blah, 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 we don't need to, fuck you, go, go that way. That's not what I mean. What I mean is when you imagine your life, Right when you sit and visualize, which is a thing that I hope everyone does, right? Because in my mind, visualization is the key to manifestation. If you can imagine it sharply enough, if I can imagine the grass so sharply that I see the dew drops on it in the morning, that I smell the clippings, and if I can do all of that in my brain, I can move the potential in my favor, right? So um when you're so i'm you know i i really do hope that everyone takes the time to not just think about their goals but to try to see them in their mind try to live a day in that life because the more comfortable you get being there the more your surroundings will start to reflect the thing that it is that you want but when you have a social group that's multiple people with multiple lives with multiple goals mm. if uh, if our life paths are taking us this way right you're going left i'm going right not because i hate you not because i have a problem with you but because these are my goals and those are your goals and they're taking us in opposite directions for my own benefit i have to let you go yep I have to let you go emotionally. That doesn't mean that I can't love you from over there on the left and that you can't love me from over there on the right. But what it does mean is I can't walk the path with you because that's not my path. Mm -hmm. That's not what I want. 
You want to be a famous rock star? Cool. That's going to take you a certain way. And I want to be a carpenter. That's going to take me a completely different way. What do I look like being in the studio with you if I'm trying to be a fucking carpenter? Yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know. I just, it, it reminds me of astrology, not because, I don't know. I just think in astrological terms a lot, even yeah. though I'm not an astrologer yeah. per se. Um, well, it's one of I the have, tools that you have that helps you like understand. People. It's one of the biggest self-awareness tools that I ever found. Yeah. Um, and I still, you know, I just really enjoy learning about myself in that way. So, so, um, you know, what I've read a lot about Scorpio placements is that being the sign of death and rebirth and transformation, that when a Scorpio comes into your life, they're there to show you and trigger in you where you need death, rebirth, and transformation. Because they're a poker. I guess. I mean, I feel it in me when it happens, and I'm doing it to people, and I'm, and then later on I'm like, damn. That's the stinger. Why would be like that? Yeah. It's the poke. It's true. Yeah. And I do it because subconsciously, I just know a lot of people have way more potential than they're living up to. Yeah. And I know that it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not because I dislike people. Or though there are a lot of individuals I dislike. Actually, it's, it's actually like... The opposite. But it's like a hope, like, like I have so much confidence in you that I don't have to wear kid gloves around you. Like, it's, stop it. It's the opposite. It's, I love you so much, I want more for you than you want for yourself. Yeah. Even, I see that you're more capable than you see in yourself. Even when you're doing your dumbest shit and saying your dumbest shit, because I've seen you in certain situations where it's like, but I, I've seen the glimmer in you, so why are you going to throw it away for dumb things? And that's what bothers me. And then... I don't even realize it bothers me until way later, right? Because in the cycle of relationships that I have, I, there are very few long-term relationships that I've held on to. And long-term meaning like five plus years. Mm -hmm. Very few, like a handful. And this isn't counting family because, you know, I'm in contact with those aren't, those aren't re Those aren't relationships. Those aren't, yeah. They're, they're not, or excuse me, they're not, chosen relationships those are not people you meet and choose to have a relationship with it's people you're related to you're gonna see them yeah although i choose to maintain certain distances yeah, yeah, yeah whatever um and this hap you know i've jokingly said it in jobs before where people are like you know let's keep in touch and i always end up so saying like, like well i always end up saying you know i don't I, I i don't always keep in touch with people and a lot of times like when i'm out of this situation I don't think about that anymore. <laughs> like, I'm done. And the same way that you were saying um, that you mirror for the environment, right? And, and those people think that you're their best friends. That happens to me too. And I feel like that's a maybe a fault of mine that I need to somehow fix. See, but then what's the, what's the alternative? The, the alternative is be, be abrasive or considered abrasive. And and then that person feel bad. And I don't want to do that to somebody else either, right? I don't want you to feel bad because of the way I am. Well, I think the real alternative is to not care how you're considered and just be. Sure, sure, sure. But what I'm saying is if, if the goal is to have quote-unquote successful relationships, right? Because people's definition of relationships is fucked up. Mm. People's idea of relationship is... You don't give me what I need. Or you do give me what I need. 
But at no point is it, do I give you what you need? Mm-hmm. Am I coming into the into this relationship every day and being my best self for you? That's what a relationship is supposed to be. It's supposed to be about the other person. The same way, and I'm only going to say this one time, parenting is about the child, not about the parent. And where most parents screw everything up is that they make it about them. My kid is nah, nah, nah. When, when people say my kid, it drives me crazy because I hear the possession in their voice. And that is a human being, not a handbag, you fucking idiot. How do you really feel, though? Do you really want to know? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there are... Uh, the expectation is what kind of ruins a lot of... Not just relationships, things. Expectation ruins everything. But yeah. You're not supposed to expect anything because that's what people mean when they say nobody owes you anything. Yeah. Don't expect. And I, I, so what happens with me is, you know, I spend time with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes in the past going against my better judgment and my instincts because this person is fun or it's better than nothing or whatever. They're a great distraction. Yeah, they're a great (laughs) distraction. But there are certain things that once I see them and experience them, I know that we cannot be what you want us to be anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for example, someone invites you to a party in another borough mm-hmm. far away and I gotta take the train an hour and a half to get to you right I get to your house at 7 o'clock we start you know whatever we're doing the expectation I had was you know I'm coming to you so like don't make me plan something not only don't make me plan something but don't leave me stranded in a place yeah don't you know make me I mean? wait like, 45 minutes at the train invite, station for you. If you invite people to hang out and you're not aware of them or yourself, like being in, the, being in an unfamiliar street while someone is blackout drunk and I'm sober. That's a, that's bad, si- that's a bad situation. That's an experience that tells me, hey, I don't want to hang out with you anymore because... You don't have regard for yourself, let alone me. Right. What if I was blackout drunk? You would just fucking leave me there. We would both be slumped on the street? Yeah. Bro, no. Like, at the end of the day, right, I think the 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 most important thing that you can do for any relationship is allow someone the room to fuck up. Yeah. Right? Because they're human. Right? If our relationship is solely dependent on the fact that I never do anything fucked up, no relationship I have is ever going to work. Because I'm a human being. I make mistakes. I'm presented with two options in most cases, and those are the options I'm aware of. All I can do is respond accordingly to that situation. Right? Sometimes I'll make the right decision. A lot of times I won't, depending on a myriad of things. Oh. For those of you who don't know, our cat just decided to join us on the couch, and it's the cutest thing ever. She's a cute um, baby. But yeah, absolutely. So that that's a really scary situation to be in, right? And for example, like me and Danny, me and my best friend, right? One of the things that made us bond like super tight was he didn't have to yell for himself. If somebody said some shit to him, 
I was barking for him, right? You're not gonna bark on. You're not. You're not gonna. You know, treat my people like shit, and vice versa, right? If I, if I was dancing and people are hating on me because I'm dancing, Danny's between me and that person. Like, yo, you're not gonna fuck with my man. Like, you're not gonna. You're not gonna put. Yeah, loyalty and. Not just loyalty. It's it's not about loyalty. It's about consideration of who the other person is, right? Every relationship you have, you should know that person well enough to know. It's the same thing I was saying about that personal audit of your life. I do this for everyone in my life. I know that if I raise my voice, I know what your reaction is going to be. So I make an effort not to raise my voice. But the consequence of me not raising my voice is now a lot of times you don't hear what I say because I'm consciously used to not raising my voice. Not because I'm an aggressive person, not because I want to fight, but because I'm Dominican and Dominicans are just loud. <laughs> right? Like, and that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. But it's a, it's a rational, it's a rational thing to do. Right? You've spoken to my dad. My dad sounds like he's yelling all the time. Yeah, that shit's scary. And my dad is like the meekest person on the <laughs> planet. And he sounds like he's fighting 24-7. I don't know when I became one of those people that... It's like any loud noise, and I'm like, but why though? Well, I mean, why do we need to do there's this? Also, there's also <laughs> part, of, part of that that's, that's uh, a big part of getting old or older, right? Because at one point, we were the loud. We were the 20-year-old on the train doing the loud. Now, now we're the 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50 on the bus, and it's why though? It's because we forget what that felt like. We forget what it's like to be that person too, right? Because you were the loud at one point, it and just how hurts me now. It and hurts how me now. you were loud—that's where it's individual, right? I was loud decibelly. You were loud visually with color. Everyone, everyone has a way that they're loud. Just uh, uh, people do not. Yeah, here we go. Transversely apply the concept of loud to the visual cortex. They only they only equate loud with decibels. Oh, I think she's scared of the, the rain. Oh my baby's scared there it's it's raining here. There's a little lightning in the in the background, some thunder, and my cat is curled up squarely between my legs right now, just trying to not crap her pants. She's just a baby. Not that she wears pants. Yeah, she is a baby. She's, She's just a baby. baby. But the smell of the rain. Oh my gosh. It's the best. It's the best smell ever. And One honestly, the smells. the break in the humidity, like when you can physically feel it, is also yeah. like that one breeze that like escapes through, and you're like, here it comes. Yeah, and then the rest of the day is cool. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I love it. Um, but yeah, just interpersonal relationships are a big one for me right now because. This is a pattern in my life where I meet people in an environment, right? And the environment, 99.9% .9 of the time, is not really well suited to me, right? School, even though I'm good at school, I don't feel Equipped? comfortable. No, I just don't feel comfortable in the environment of school. Mm -hmm. I can navigate it really well, and I can play the game really well. That's because the environment, the, like the physical environment, is actually intended to make you uncomfortable. But not just that, we, since we've associated education, specifically the kind of education that requires 
memorization and regurgitation. Mm. Since we consider higher education to be elites in a lot of ways, people are dumb and loud. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? People are like, well, here's all the things I know. And it's like, first of all, all these textbooks are lying to you, number one. Number two, you paid a lot of money to be here, to not actually know a thing, to go into a job force where on the job you learn to do the work in a completely different way than you learned in your textbook. So you just took all this time, and I did too, I'm not, you know. Yeah. But we took all this time as a formality to get a piece of paper to allow us into some setting where I didn't even really want to be in. Right? Oh, gosh. Apologies for the little noises. I'm... We're still figuring this thing out. This is like episode five. Cut us a break. <laughs> well, no. Everyone I've encountered is super patient and nice with me. Um, and, you know. But if I could find a way to hook the mic up to the phone... I'm, I'm sure they understand that I'm joking. And hopefully they paid attention during the first episode when I said, I don't know nothing and I'm never serious. <laughs> Speaking of not knowing nothing. So, yeah. I'm in a lot of environments where people are highly... They make their personality the environment. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you ever had co-workers who that job is their personality? And we see this happening all the time where people don't know their personality so they just make something their personality. Like, my job, school, you know, yeah, the world events that are happening now that people are turning into their personality. Things like that. And I, you know, I'm speculating here, but I think that it comes from a difficulty with being in silence, a difficulty with actually knowing yourself, and a difficulty with even seeing yourself and being aware of your own patterns. And I say this as someone who becomes uh, introduced to new patterns that I have every day that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. But it's only because I'm open my eyes to see them. Like, I want to see them. Right. You want to see where you're... Not, I don't want to say lacking because it's not a lack thing. But like where you're not operating optimally or and streamlined. Or where I'm operating from a place of response to yeah. an old stimuli that I don't even remember. And right? see... Oh, go ahead. So like, un, you know, becoming who you are is unlearning everything that was pushed upon you, right? And right. that's a lot of things. Little things like, you know, someone laughed at you because you spilled spaghetti on your white shirt so you never wear white now something that happened 30 years ago little innocuous things but the and and then the 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 caveat of that the the thing that makes it extra hard is that the two people who saw you spill spaghetti on your shirt that one time so you don't wear white anymore they never let you live it down because that's in their eyes that's a bonding point yeah right because it's a funny memory that we have but I don't find it funny because I'm the butt of the joke in this memory. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a funny memory to you. It's a point of trauma to me. But, so seeing those traumas and digging them out, like, I don't know, the image of, you know, digging in that tooth mm-hmm. kind of came to mind, even though root canals are really not good for you. But that's the image that came to mind. Rooting mm-hmm. out those traumas and those rotting bits of you that, that you are coping with you know, from not even, ex- you're not existing fully, you're just a big bundle of coping mechanisms at times. A lot of people, right, and myself included, where I realized, oh, I can't believe I responded this way. Why would I do that? And it takes digging. And since I really, 
I don't want to say enjoy that work because it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. But I honor that work because if it weren't for that work, I would be in a place that in a, a few years from now, I would have woken up and said, what the hell did I do with my life? Right? Because I would have just followed the patterns and followed the people within those situations that I never really gelled with, but I did it anyway. And I'd be end up in a situation where I realized at 40 that I wasn't being authentic. And then I would have really spiraled. You know what's right? crazy? I've been having that, that thought. What the f- did I do with my life? Since I was like six. At six years old, I was already worried about... And, and this is one of the, the disservices that people do to children. I don't think that there's any information that's inappropriate for a child to know. I think you have to gauge the way you introduce a child to information and at what point you give them that information, right? When I was a little kid, I came home from school excited to because I made a friend. This is like kindergarten, first grade I'm talking about now. And my dad sat me down and told me, listen, you came into this world alone. You are going to die alone. And if you're lucky, you get one friend in this life. Don't waste that word. This is a fundamental memory. Aries, why do you have trouble making friends? I'm going to die alone. <laughs> I was born alone, right? Yeah. These are these are the disservices that we do that we do to children. And then I think about myself and like why I'm socially withdrawn. And the truth is most people aren't people. Most people are a collection of all the compartmentalizations that they've made. I'm an anime geek. I'm a metalhead. I'm an a athlete. I'm, yeah, label. it's all the labels that you can. Yeah. But but it's not about being human. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, about a collection badges. of things that belong to me. Yeah, you wear your badges and you associate yourself with your badges. And then this is why though we're at a point socially where we will desperate. And by we, I mean the collective. We, yes. not you and I, or. Probably not. Always universal, you and I. Anything that's not me is you. Anything that's not you is me. But we're, you know, socially in a place where we so heavily associate with the environment and with the way we do things and with quote-unquote normalcy that we won't even stand up for ourselves because it's safer to just, what, become part of the amalgamous blob that is society, Mm -hmm. right? So... When I, you know, encounter people who are kind of in between and they're like, yeah, everything, you know, is not right, but it's just easier. And immediately I'm like, red flag, danger, 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 danger. And although I honor you where you are in your journey. Right. In my, where I am in my journey, I can't have that. I can't get in the mode with you. I can't have that because what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to do is jump. To different, you know, to different timelines and different dimensions. And if the heaviness of the all-consuming social blah is pulling, you know, everyone around me, that makes it harder for me to get to where I need to be, yeah. right? Because I understand, with my limited understanding, that we're a lot more than this. We're a lot more than everything seems. And so to settle for something so mundane mundane and obsolete i just cannot and like i love everybody in the sense that i love humanity and i want what's best for it but in my love for everyone i have to set a boundary yeah because you have to love you first and sometimes that boundary sparks something in other people and i am blessed 
to be acting as the universe in those moments, right? Because sometimes I feel like I'm planting seeds and sometimes I feel like like I'm over over exerting for like the you're collective. Being controlling. Yeah. And you know, that has a lot to do with my own uh, inferiority complex feelings of being told you know, like, you don't know anything or whatever, so I second guess my own thoughts and then to hear that one little thing might help someone, it gives me the courage to want to speak up more just about anything I'm thinking mm -hmm. and that's why I need to be discerning because I won't become as sharpened as I want to be if I'm not discerning with my energy True. And I think that's one of the things that, at least personally, has driven me away from seeking out social interaction. Um, one of the things that's driven me away from fandom, that's driven me away from almost anywhere where people congregate, is that anytime I look at that subcategory and how the people are compartmentalized, I always wind up being part of the subgroup that everyone dislikes. Right? The, the good example, uh, a perfect example is how everybody shits on Leos. Just constant. Everywhere you go, people shit on Leos. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry you had a bad experience with one of us. Um, but everybody shits on us that way, right? And or, or in a more like physical sense. I'm a man, which is part of like the, in terms of like the social hierarchy, the top of the hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? But I'm not a tall man. So that, so that like pegs down my value. And I'm also not a white man, so that pegs down my value, right? And in every subcategory, I feel like as soon as I enter and I just scratch a little bit beyond the surface, I find that people are trying to push me all the way down to the very bottom of that, of that subcategory. Because for some reason, they feel like I was here first, so now you have to earn your way up. Right, you you're not allowed to be a fan of this unless you know every song that this band has ever made. Mm. That gatekeeping shit. That's one of the biggest reasons why I never I never seek out people anymore. I hope with all of my heart that I find people. That's that's or that people find me because because I'm not moving. Right, one of one of the easiest ways to. Make sure you find people when you get lost is to stop moving and let them come to you. If I stay in one place, you'll know where to come back to. And that's really what I want from my relationships is I want to be I want to be, <laughs> be home. I don't want people in my life who have the right turn on their life path. Mm. I want the people in my life who are going to make the left turn with me. Yeah, wherever our roads go, let's stay on them together as long as possible. Right. But most people don't want that. Most people want what they want. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about what I want. I care about the outcome. Right? Does it turn out to be something great? Was it a fun experience? Did I enjoy it? Whether or not I get what I want, that's irrelevant. Because I'm a human and my wants are fleeting because I am fleeting. I am a speck of dust. In the universe. I'm here for a blip of time. Not even a fraction of a second. I'm Osmosis Jones. I'm a blood cell. I'm a toenail cell. Like 
I'm nothing grand in comparison to the universe. So why should I want to place my wants above what the universe wants to give me? And with that being said, I think it's a good time to fleet, to be fleeting on out of here. <laughs> I want to try and keep it for an hour. Good. You know? Um, and I think that we're going to be doing more of these because we had some things going on that took up some time. Um, so we should be freer. And thank you for everything. Word up. As always, shout out to Dave Batista. I hope you enjoyed the show, Dave. It's cool. <laughs> and uh, work out art on everything. Take care, guys.